0: Welcome to Real Talk with Rio and Murph, the most niche podcast on the internet. This week's sponsor is Goblin Converters. Why play anything else? This is episode forty-six, and we're coming up to the halfway point around thirty-six. Uh, so I think it's fair to say that we've seen the fast attackers mostly fade by this point, and they've been replaced by mid-speed attackers and early converters. Uh, Murph, uh, have you seen anything interesting emerge right now? I'd like to say that there's been a
1: couple things emerging that look pretty cool. Like, I mean, obviously you have all the goblins, right? You have, I don't know, too many to count probably, right? Like four or five of them. And then the, the really cool thing is like the, the two mer folks that are kind of sneaking in there and doing, doing a really good job. Like I think one of them is really challenging for the top spot right now as is. Right. So I don't think we've seen that uh, at this stage ever. I
0: don't think. Right. So that's pretty unique. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm trying to think back and we've seen some very efficient ones in the past and we've seen some kind of fast played ones within within a pack of other fast attackers. But I don't think we've seen someone kind of like spring up in this way before going kind to of like take on this kind of, you know, this uh, this area that we usually just see like the, the quick converted goblins kind of like sit in. So, yeah, so I agree. It's kind of nice to see not, not just one, but two of them kind of fill in that gap right now.
1: Yeah, and this week we're joined by uh, Chunk, who is going to be able to fill us in in really the the battle of the Firewalkers here, which I think is going to be a fun story to hear about. And we wanted to really get this in now before it's too late, and then people are, can't really remember what happens a couple weeks from now, right? So we wanted to get it while it's still fresh. So Chunk, um, why don't you just kind of fill us in on, on your kind of round so far?
2: All right, sounds good. So, um, I'm in 13, of course, so I I am actually, I'll just say, the Firewalker in 13. So, our round has been quite interesting. Um, it's been... This is only my second time fast attacking, actually, so it's been very interesting for me to be kind of the number two position for um, most of the, the start of the round. And I'll say that Like, for me, Addendum was a pain in my butt from the start because we had literally the same timing. We both did a four hour delay for our first hit. So I was constantly having to check him from day one to see what I could do related to him. So it was really a very interesting race. It was interesting to watch the differences. And obviously, I fell about a hit behind, and not too far into the round, and then was having to navigate that play from slightly behind situation. So it's been quite a ride for me. So do you know what it was that kind of caused you
0: to fall behind initially? Was like, did you just were were the hits from from Addendum larger than the hits you were making, or did you miss a round of of hits or something like that, or was it just kind of just, just bad timing in terms of like your training?
2: I I think that I made a, a few mistakes here. Um, I think one issue that started to put me behind was that, frankly, thanks to Murph's past history and what he tends to do, then I was quite worried about the possibility of a Day 4 war, even though I knew with smaller realm sizes wars were less likely. But our realm was looking pretty good on... start of day four so i built about two to three percent forest havens and addendum did not addendum has basically just been defending his boats perfectly and not so worried about fireballs and i think that put my economy behind a little bit i also think that although i end up being forced into more mods later i think he started off or he got his mods in a little earlier which I think was a good move. It allowed him to kind of take the driver's seat in terms of having slightly more numbers early on. So I think that basically I just went a little too efficient too early, not that I was very efficient, and also worried about the war too much, and that that made it hard for me to continue to get get hits at the full pace, get full-size hits. I don't think I really fell that much behind but i never could quite catch up every time i got ahead he'd get ahead a few hours later and just mean made... and then i guess uh, the I guess
0: story that. is once you once you'd fallen behind and, and he'd kind of had that lead he was he was really in the driving seat to decide whether he'd want to push offense to kind of like squeeze the round or or just kind of keep hitting and maintain it and uh, and did you find yourself following suit or did you want to apply pressure on, on him? What was your kind of strategy at that point?
2: So he definitely started increasing his his offensive power and pressuring me more. And in response to that, at first, then I was just still kind of focused on what do I need to keep hitting? Um, but soon it became clear to me that he was going to push me into too little offense So I ended up switching to actually also pushing OP and just making it so that neither of us could full send. And I also started ramping up how quickly I was getting mods, so that even though I was a hit behind and my economy was decaying faster than his, then I was managing to maintain close enough numbers that I could still keep applying pressure to him as well and just not make it easy for him. Now I obviously still needed to get hits so if i felt like i had enough op that i could switch dp and find a hit then i still did that so you'd see me training mostly op for a while and then i'd switch to just all dp until i could make a hit um the problem was he just always got a hit like right after or around the same time as i did so i never really caught up but at that point, honestly, it didn't take long for me to decide that I was not able to run. It just wasn't going to happen. I'd need a lot of luck events. I'd need like, really good like wars or snare hits, something like that. And I just didn't see that happening. So I had started switching to just how do I make sure that he can't get ahead mentality.
1: And so did that... Like, I guess I'd like to hear about like the thought process on the wonders and I think you guys went to like mutual war at one point too. Like, how did all that play out?
2: Yeah, so when addendum first kind of got ahead, then originally I was trying to just catch up. So I was like, okay, I was aiming for hits and I was getting them, but then it just seemed like every time he would find something right afterwards that I I don't know how much of it was luck how much of it was just me releasing pressure every time i hit but for whatever reason he always found hit within 12 hours of me getting the hit that would have caught me up so the wonder was really that i was in discord just pushing for us to do something i was i was the the doomsayer like we're screwed he's going to run i i was just constantly concerned about What was going to happen, I felt like nobody else was going to do anything. It seemed very clear from Dom Chat that others were like, well, we either can't do anything or we're too afraid to do anything because it might help me if they hurt him. So it it seemed to me like this was all on us or he was going to run. That was kind of my viewpoint, that clearly nobody else was willing to do anything. So I was really pushing for either war or for going for Fountain of Youth, because my viewpoint is that Fountain of Youth is pretty strong. So that would have allowed me to not decay in my economy quite as badly for being a hit or, you know, three quarters of a hit behind. Um or if we ward them, we did have a couple people in range that could do some damage. He wasn't defended against fireballs very well. Um couldn't convince them into the war, but people were willing to do the fountain. So we went for the fountain, and of course, eventually, Six warred us. Now, they had a wonder at the time, but they lost it during our war. So then they decided to take it, and we were like, well, maybe we would have been willing to give this to a different realm, but we're not willing to let Six take it. So we counter-ward, and we're going to take it back.
1: Hell yeah, that's... uh. That's awesome to see, right? Because you realize that if you did give it to them, then that might put them just over the finish line, right?
2: Exactly. Just couldn't let them have it. Like, maybe we'd be willing to give it up at that time, but not to them. And um, I wanted to talk about your second tier
1: attackers that were kind of like your support, right? Like you had yeah, yeah. your halfling. With you there, I noticed, and then Six had the nomad and uh, I think a Merfolk with him. Yep. How yeah, did those so, guys so, play into your guys' conflict?
2: Uh they were they were pretty crucial actually. Um I think they really affected that was actually part of why I was so down on our chances, was that both the nomad and the murfolk and six were doing quite well. Um the nomad just kept getting double hits every, like, the 9-hour hits every single time things opened up and was practically the same land size as, like, me in Addendum. Of course, Nomad couldn't push quite the same numbers as the Firewalkers, but that was concerning, because I knew that he'd have more longevity than me. And I didn't know what to expect from the Merfolk. Frankly, I've barely ever seen Merfolk attackers, so that was a bit surprising to me, and I was also worried about their longevity, so... The fact that they were maintaining pressure and keeping up was very concerning to me that they would just be able to kind of take control, whereas we'd fall behind. Now, on our side, then especially our our halfer was actually quite important because, yes, I could push numbers to kind of threaten addendum, but it was always with questionable defense. So, I was actually worried about a hit trade scenario, that I wasn't sure that if I was forced into hit trading, that it wouldn't be good for addendum. I was a little worried that even though I'd do damage, he'd end up just actually benefiting from the extra acres. So, our our halfling was actually essential that he pushed through EOP, making it so that most situations, a hit trade would have meant him suing Addendum as well, which I think would have made it a bad trade for Addendum. So that definitely played into it. Um, I'll say I've never seen a raise and then a hit in this game, but I was actually very concerned about the Merfolk or the Nomad raising me after I made a hit and then Firewalker following. Um, So they definitely factored in a lot to what was going on.
1: And your guy had pretty good uh, OP as well, right? Your, your halfling?
2: Yeah. So he pushed pretty high temples and was really pushing his OP, and I was surprised how well he managed to stay just a little bit behind me in terms of land. And he really did maintain quite a bit of suey pressure, which I, I think was crucial. Um, in fact, I think that's the main reason six ward us. They immediately sunk him, and I think they actually had pretty bad timing. I don't think they were expecting me to get a hit literally a few seconds after they declared on us. Um, a bot had just come into my range, so that was always pled, and I saw the war right after that happened. But uh yeah, I think they were maybe hoping to sink both of us. I was a little harder to sink, but it was still theoretically possible. Um So I think they were really feeling the pressure from both of us and wanted to ease up that pressure with sinking campaign. So I think that was their goal.
1: And so have you found that you're just kind of going the explore route now and the the attacking times are behind you now? Or or what are you thinking?
2: Yeah, I don't think I was useful as an attacker anymore. Um, That war really did kill me off. Um, I think it lost 6 too much that it effectively killed their firewalker too, just with us having such high OP we had to both defend, just slowed it down too much, so I decided that I wasn't being very useful anymore, I angled for more hits, but that left my OP so low that it would have taken forever to pressure again, and at that point, I wasn't sure I wanted to pressure Addendum, I was pretty confident that he couldn't run at this point, and that I'd rather leave him around to pressure the up-and-coming mid-speed guys. And were you surprised that they kind of came on as fast as they did? I absolutely was. Honestly, especially the mer folks, which you mentioned, I've just been very surprised about them. I didn't know that they could go this fast while maintaining some decent efficiency, like pretty high pop count, stuff like that, so... The Merfolks have really surprised me. And um I do think that that some of them have done really well at noticing when their moment is and you know pushing pushing the OP at that moment to try and take control.
1: Yeah, it's really nice to have a seven point defensive unit when you have two firewalkers just kind of strangling each other. And did you like those memes that were kind of popping up in Dom Chat there where I posted one that was like a pillow smothering the other guy, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, that was really fun to watch and just to hear like the little bits from other people about the situation and us trying to stop each other. Rio, do you think Chunk's
1: realm or Chunk could have played it any differently or was that just ultimately going to be the result because of what Six was doing?
0: Yeah, I think that's really how it, how it all come, came about. Like I I wouldn't I don't fault Chunk's play. I think I think it's 13. They did what they had to do in that situation when you of like your second and third um and you're a hit behind you're not really going to catch up i I thought the fountain of youth play was pretty good because that kind of did even up the pop um between the two firewalkers um for, for a while so it meant they basically had like similar kind of like staying power um really i think it was just complete misplay by by six um I think you try to get a stranglehold too soon when I've always said, you know, like two hit lead is what you want. That's what you can really work with. When it's just one hit or, you know, half a hit ahead, that's, that's not enough of a dominant position to really kind of be messing around. And, and it, was, it just looked like messing around from from six. They both had opportunity to grow. Um, didn't need to, to force the kind of like the. the such a, a high OP and, and not enough DP to send it because you end up kind of driving up defenses across the board for everybody. Um, so, that by the time you're able to actually send, you're not going to make that 100% hit anymore. You know, you're just looking for 75 or 80% hits. So, I, I kind of seen, you know, like I think it was three rounds ago when when it was my lycanthrope and two other lycanthropes, we knew the best thing for all of us was just kind of like stay out of each other's way and uh, and just grow and grow and grow. And once one of us had, a couple of hits advantage that's when you can start to kind of like dictate things and it just seems to be misplayed by by addendum um in in that regard just try to be kind of like too too dominant too soon and even with the merfolk and the Nomad behind them looking in decent position they'd have held that position you know if they if they did all this at kind of like three and a half thousand acres rather than kind of two two and a half thousand um I thought it was good play by thirteen, just kind of keep him um, keep him in check, and that's what happened. And really, just the the kind of like the fast attacking um, dynamic of this round has just kind of like ended. It just it's kind of like just petered out. There was no real kind of like no real black ops getting involved. It just kind of strangled themselves, and and now just been overtaken already. I think.
1: Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised on how quick the slow attackers, I guess we could call them. Uh, really came on, you know, like it was just like, you know, the two fireworkers were just starting to strangle each other. You could kind of notice the merfolks kind of coming up pretty good. And then, boom, all of a sudden, yeah, <laughs> You're right? Like the merfolks are alive and in your face.
0: And it was it. And as Chung mentioned, you know, the, the nomad caught up in land, you know, it was nowhere near in, in terms of offense and defense numbers, but it was the same side land as the two of them. And I think the merfolk were probably just slightly behind. um, Again, without the same numbers, but if you let them get to the same land as you, then their efficiency is going to start taking over. And that's kind of what happened. And, and, you know, all the while we see all these goblins who are quite clearly going to convert. If you're delaying your hits kind of two or three days, they're just going to keep on moving and moving and moving until they're in position to get involved as well. Yeah, how many freaking goblins are we dealing with here? It's like whack-a-mole goblins, right? It's too many damn damn well count. And I see, I think there's at least at least three that were kind of like similar sized and you know a couple of them have even made mistakes like one of them has been hit um i think the other one bounced so despite that they're still looking in really really strong position and you know they might not even be the last of the converting goblins to, to kind of like show their, show their face this round as well so it looks like another kind of like goblin centric round um but we'll see what the other races can kind of come up with
1: yeah i think there's probably going to be Five or so that are going to be attacking shortly,
0: right? At least. Yeah. And we have seen that before? You know, it's there's clearly, unless everyone's using the kind of like the same similar, um, sims with it, it seems to be a relatively easy concept to kind of almost guarantee that you'll be involved at some point. And this can like convert between 1500 and, you know, we see up to like 4,000 acres. Most goblins that we've seen do that have been involved at the very top um, at some point in in the last kind of five or six rounds.
2: I actually noticed in the start of the round, I think three of them, all in different realms, had the same sim. They were eerily similar in the start. And one of those three
1: got clobbered. Okay? <laughs> Poor little Peter Griffin. He was, he was actually, uh, if I remember correctly, he was... Bringing in docks <laughs> and then he just gets doubled, right? And then I think immediately after getting doubled, he's like, okay, let's uh, get rid of all these docks.
2: <laughs> Plans changed.
1: Did you notice that too, Rio?
0: No, I definitely wasn't paying the attention uh, early round to see that. So uh, it's, it's quite funny when, uh, when when that can happen. But I'm just looking through uh, through old ops now and I can see he's still got at least one dock. <laughs> he's got at least one, eh? <laughs> so who's looking uh
1: is it is it like converters that are looking really good or the slow attackers right because i think we're gonna have a mix of both here
0: yeah so obviously kind of kind of like i don't want to put any predictions on at the moment but there seems to be quite a few kind of like again pairings or kind of like groups of uh of attackers and, and converters involved so that's always interesting because you can kind of try to keep where well, you've, you've really got the option to be really kind of like trying to catapult one of you ahead or try to have everyone kind of grow and um, stay involved and then make decisions later on. You know, if you have to sacrifice someone or just whoever looks in best position, you just kind of like aim to kind of like, you know, protect them and, and get them um, raising up. And I think it's quite a few. Interestingly, like there's a, a bit of a mix of converters and attackers in realms and like, you know, some slower races, some faster races. There's still, um, there's still potential, you know, like, suicide cards to be played or, or kind of, like, you know, hit exchanges that could be involved as well. So at the moment, we're still just kind of, I think, seeing all the pieces on the board kind of position themselves. Um, And at the moment, you know, if, even if I were to predict something, I, I, I just don't think I'd, I'd be doing it with any kind of degree of confidence.
1: I've got a prediction for you with a pretty good degree of confidence. I would think My Realm as it stands right now, we have about a 50% chance of
0: winning the round. That's probably the highest percentage you've ever given. Is is the 50% chance higher than a 5% guarantee? Yeah, yeah.
1: I'd say 50 is is lowballing it, I think, right now, too.
0: 50 is just being conservative. Well, I'd love to see that happen.
1: Oh, it's gonna happen. There's no doubt in my mind it's gonna happen. And for anybody who doesn't know, we are in uh, realm two and we welcome all wars. We've only had five so far, and we're looking to increase that number.
0: Is this the uh, the Feywold Call to Arms? I, I don't know if it's supposed to work uh, on yourself.
1: Ah, you know me. I like I like a good war, you know? It really gets you gets your ratios up to where they need to be, you know? I think one, one realm has warred us three times already. I think it's well, yeah, funny it's that
2: a... the floodgates kind of opened with the wars all of a sudden, that there was like nothing, and then boom, just war after war.
0: And there's not really been any, or not many, kind of like top realm against top realm. You know, you know. Like in, I think the only real one that I saw was your mutual war. You know, success is thirteen. The rest of them either seem to be for wonders, or there's a couple realms out there who just seem to be very, very like war hungry and keep on going after the same people time after time.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. A Cindy Lauper song, isn't it? Time after time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, my I question guess my... for uh, for you, Matt, is that. Uh, uh, these wars with them coming after you are they coming after the same person or they spread it around or well it's kind like, of uh, like did you guys see damdred's tweet
1: or not his tweet but his uh his meme that an infamous meme with bernie um is it bernie sanders i think it's bernie sanders right yep yeah so it's been very like you know uh, they're trying their best but you know you can't I don't feel like you can do a lot and we haven't really felt it. Like, I mean, sure. They've fireballed our, our converters a little bit here and there, but other than that, you know, and it was just a little bit right. Like, I think they're trying their best, but you know, their best, frankly, isn't good enough. You know, we're just gonna, we're going to steamroll 10. I'm telling you right now, 10 has a death wish and we will definitely honor 10's death wish.
2: Going to help them step into their graves.
1: Oh Yeah. Because they've, they've kicked the uh, the Wasp Nest a little too many times this round. For my liking, it's uh, it's definitely Vendetta against Realm 10. Gotta be careful picking fights. You know what? Let's just have a look at the Town Crier here. This is how much of Vendetta I have. There you go, Realm
0: 10. Have fun with that down the stretch, pal. So uh, so I've just clicked on the Town Crier as well, and there's, there's a, a new a new line at the top there. Now, is this the first war that you've declared? Yes. Realm 10 has declared
1: on us three times, and three has done it twice, I think. So it's just been those two realms. Realm 3 is actually more of a Black Ops competent realm than Realm 10. Realm 10 is just like a bunch of guys running. It's like a kindergarten class running around with scissors in their hands, you know? And this time they're going to fall, and the scissors are going to cut them.
0: Cause when I've been looking around at the the Black Op realms, there's there's a few of them that have been making lots of declarations, but they've not really had anyone very large. So they've not actually been able to go after like top people. It's been just like the converters or you know like slow attackers that I I presume that they're targeting.
1: Yeah. I mean they but like I said, they they've tried, but it's just been like, you know, like a little tickler, right? Like they're tickling you, but they're not really doing too much damage, and the guys that they'd like to do damage to have pretty significant damage reduction at this point. So what I would like to see our realm do is get a couple of mutual war hits on these guys, and just take them to the woodshed, because that's what they want. So, you know, if you don't bring the woodshed to us, we'll bring the woodshed to you.
0: And I guess the question for Chug then is that uh, now that you, you're kind of seeing your, your fast attacking days being over you, are you going to become a uh you know, a, a fast in blopper or a, a flopper?
2: I am definitely open to it. I am just trying to do whatever will help my realm the most at this point, trying to be a team player. So if we need firepower, then I will push it. Push it, buddy. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, you guys still
1: have uh, an orc, I see, right? You got an undead that's kind of kicking around. Yep. Um. And you you have that goblin that's probably going to convert, right? So, yeah, you've got, like, three players in there that could definitely see how the round goes, right?
2: Yeah, just got to see what happens. Just play like we can win, and um, that's the best we can do, I guess. And really, I mean, if you want to give those guys a chance, you kind of have to hang on to the
1: fountain, basically, right, at this point. So anybody that comes in, you got to give them the old... uh, the old what for, right?
2: I also think we're pretty well situated for that. That I think our realm is relatively active, so um, we're ready for fights. Ah, that's good. I think
1: you guys are gonna have a lot of fun down the stretch. Although I just, I just have not been sold on orc from the beginning of this round. So I, I, you know, I'd like for your orc to prove me wrong and have a really good round. But I just, you know, orc is just kind of like, eh, right?
2: It's meh. I just don't know where they fit. I agree completely that, especially with that last statement, don't know where they fit. I do not know how you're supposed to play orc. We've been trying to talk about it, and it's like, okay, we'll see how this works. But uh, I I just don't know what their niche is. Yeah, it's so tough, right? Yeah, the the changes were interesting, but I'm not even sure I could call it a buff. It's kind of, in some ways. I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts there, about Rio and Orc and and how
1: we're seeing them play out so far?
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm just looking back in the scribes now just to kinda of remind myself where they're at. And I think what used to be the kind of the, the niche was that they've got fairly cheap uh units and then you always you'd always kinda of like have a bit of a combination of mixing specs and elites in early. And you could have done it either way. You could have done like spec um, OP elite DP or elite um, Op and, and spec DP, just kind of depending on circumstance. So there's there's still that mix. It's just it's a really kind of a question of when when can you switch to efficiency? Because once you've got your prestige at max, which I think is like 999 now, you've got one of the cheapest elites uh, in the game in the Bonebreaker. Especially when you consider you know you get the the 10% offensive spell as well. So you could see them play extremely fast. Um or you could see them kind of played in this like this mid-speed um setting which we're kind of we're seeing kind of like come to the fore at the moment. So there is I, I don't know if there's any other orcs, but there's definitely the, the one orc in, in 13 who's kind of made a hit despite this kind of like offense and defense crunch that's happening right now. So um being able to make a hit when everyone else is training huge amounts is is always key and it, it kind of shows that there, there must be some viability to the race. Um it's just like you guys, it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of plays out, whether there's any kind of, you know, like, you have to do something extreme and kind of get rid of all your, your spec offense and then can like, re- reach, like try again with efficiency or you just kind of let the specs die off and, and just grow as you can. But we'll see what happens with it. Um, I think if there's a good strong showing from orcs this round then you'll probably see a lot more people try it again next round. So this will be almost like a test case as well for whoever's playing it this round.
1: Yeah, I like their, you know, speckle P unit, being a four zero, Uh But I don't like the fact that you only have an O five 5 defensive unit and you don't have any flex, so you can't really reach for things sometimes. you just kind of like, this is your offense and this is the box you're working with, you know? I like having a little bit of option, you know? Like with your defensive unit being able to flex a little bit, I, you just get a lot more options and tools to work with, right?
0: Yeah, you're definitely forced into that corridor I feel like, Train in your offense and defense, like specifically, you have to really aim at what you're going for. Which you know, when when there's bots in the mix, it's okay because you can you can kind of know exactly how much you might need. Um, but in terms of the actual kind of like player on player gameplay aspect, it does make it tough, and it it doesn't as, as we say there's there's no flexibility with it, so you can't really kind of jump on opportunities as easily.
2: Yeah, what I I don't like the most about them is that. Five point defense. It just feels like they have pretty expensive defense, and they're a race that kind of has to play from behind to a certain degree. So that expensive defense really hurts, and I don't think Spec D is really something you want to build as them. So you're kind of just forced with that zero five defensive unit that's relatively expensive for being a a five point with no flex. Yeah, you're right,
0: and, and this is where kind of I. I... When, whenever I'm picking a race sort of like the strategy that I go for, um, when I'm doing mods, I tend to put mods on the more expensive unit. So if I'm playing Orc, I'm probably looking at a decent amount of, of guard towers going kind of like right from the start and just committing to that defensive elite and, and, you know, whatever kind of mix I want of the offensive, whether it's specs or, or all elites, I do it that way. So I'd kind of just look to buff it just by going GTs early and, um, just kind of, just take that as the as the counter because ultimately they're expensive defense because their offense is relatively cheap yeah
1: so how do you think our uh, humans going to do against all these goblins with their nine hours real
0: your, your humans probably gets more attention than uh anyone else in the game um at least by <laughs> yeah. you got that right buddy jesus but just the uh, it's it's kind of insane like the net worth that they have because whenever i've looked at your human They've been very, very mediocre and not kind of, not scary at all. I am surprised that it's not really kind of taken off. Like it was quite an early conversion. Um, maybe the wars have actually gonna kind of like done enough to kind of like, you know, cost enough hours of training to not have them in the mix already. Maybe it'll prove me wrong, but at the moment I'm not seeing anything kind of too scary with them. And I see, you know, slow attackers kind of creeping up and not being too far behind at the moment. Yeah, but
1: the big thing he's got working for him is a 12 point efficiency, right? So that will play itself out as the hits accumulate, right?
0: So you you expect the
1: slow attackers to be kind of a little bit ahead of him right now, and if they're not, then they have to be super worried.
0: I'm saying it's the slow attackers are the ones that's catching, and they'll also have you know the 12 points of efficiency. So he's really competing with those ones, you know, like any any gnomes, any wood elf converters or, or attackers. Um, I don't know if we've seen Icekin at the moment. Um, I've not really seen many other humans, to be honest, as well. Um, but it's probably like, you know, the gnomes, wood elf humans that, that he'd be looking to compete with more so than the kind of the mid-level attackers and the and the kind of like the quick converting goblins.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any gnome attackers out there, other than the ones that are with us. Yeah, like, I only see Two that are above two thousand and they're both with us?
0: Okay, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I, I didn't realize they were in the same rounds. I knew there was one of them that was out there, um, who I think got hit on one of the more recent attacks. Yep. So that could play into it as well, you know, then if there aren't many, you know, efficient players this round. Um I've not seen any particularly on the radar. Um there's only I think a small handful that kind of like had much attention. So if there's not much competition, then then that obviously means that your humans are in a more unique um, position. So it could do well. But uh, oh. Well, it
1: looks like we got another war there. I didn't even want to announce it here.
2: <laughs> it had to happen.
1: This is why we do pods, just so we can announce our war declarations.
0: All right, let, let me just get on my Realm Discord.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that a mutual as well? Yep. Look at that! Uh, two mutuals today. All right, Rio. Uh, I know you're adverse to declaring war on things, but it's uh, it's your turn. You're up.
0: Yeah, for- fortunately, I I don't uh, I don't submit to peer pressure. And you're right. I am not a fan of declaring war or being declared on. If I can help it, I'd like to just take a wander. You know, at minimal expense, and hopefully keep it for as long as we can. Yep. I know that's that's been
1: like through five wars now, right? We've had the great market on 200k HP. Not a single hit on it.
0: And it's quite strange because not all of the realms declaring on you have had wonders. So it's almost like why wouldn't you take a essentially like a freebie at that? Cuz they all the realms that have declared on us wanted to
1: have black op wonders, right? You saw after their first wars on us, they went and got those black op wonders and they came back to us. And then 10 said that they want our wonder so we're like oh okay cool well that's not
2: gonna happen sorry pal
1: because that wonder is gonna help our wood elf when he
2: converts to attacker so we're gonna keep that Yeah, that's like the one strategy that that wonder is good for
1: yeah you know and like we want to keep as many options in the toolbox as possible for us right so like we're pretty loaded to the gills with late round potential so we want to just keep that potential hanging around for us
0: you know yeah, just looking at the great market, actually, the, the stats, it, it pretty much should just be, you know, that you get like the gnomish the mining machine for uh for gnomes. This is pretty much the the wood elf's one, isn't it? Yeah, like if the gnomish mining machine was around, we
1: would have we would have taken that instead, right? For both of our gnomes. But unfortunately we just had this thing and honestly it was just like probably most people are just gonna not take it and just leave it, right? So it really helped. Even though our um, goblin was getting fireballed most of the time with our human, both of them were kind of getting targeted. The um, market was helping our goblins explore uh, a lot, right? Because you get the 10% employment, right? So you can essentially get 10% more income if you have the peasants to match, right? So the market was just kind of offsetting the black ops that were happening to him?
0: Yeah, it's definitely. It's for what else and for for explorers, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's nice. That's why 10 wants it. For their liking, but (laughs) that ain't happening. (sighs) Not on my watch, and not after you declared war on us three times, right? Like I was itching to mutual it from the beginning, right? But we just didn't have the firepower to do anything, and now we're starting to get that firepower together. So, hey, I'll I'll let this war time out on ten. You know, that's that's how confident I am that we're gonna get hit on them.
0: There's interest just kind of like looking around like the different realms right now. There's there's obviously you know there's the battle on top. where particularly we're looking at the Merfolk's probably now, and he's probably got a few the the goblins kind of involved, and you know Addendum's still sitting around at the moment. But a lot of the action seems to be kind of like in the in the middle, um, like the middle of of the realms with the you know like the the converters and like the slow attack, and the war's kind of being declared between between all the different realms. That's really kind of like where most of the TC actions happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's nice to see that, you know, like people are aggressively trying to improve their positions, right?
0: And I'm not sure we've really seen that too much, you know, like a lot of the time when we've seen converters and slow attackers being targeted, it's been because they've been in like the, the top, like the runaway realm. It seems to be this time a lot more people are kind of looking long term and going after threats, like long term threats earlier than, uh, than I can really remember seeing
1: yeah I'm with you 100 percent
0: so would it would be interesting to know if that's just kind of like a shift in the meta or if it's a case of because realms are smaller, you can't get you know more than three people in range of the of the top attacker anymore, but you can get you know like six or seven people in range of like the the converters and the, the slow attackers so that's where you can really do the damage so it'd be interesting to see if that's kind of just a, a shift for this round only with the smaller realms or or whether we'll see that kind of going forward in future rounds as well.
1: Chunk, how many wars have you guys gotten? Is it just uh,
2: two? Yeah, I think so. I think we've been warred twice, and now both times we've... See, that's my kind of war
1: right there, you know?
2: We're not the aggressors, but we'll fight.
1: Yeah, you guys are like the porcupines out there, right? Like, you're not afraid to get your quills up.
2: Exactly.
1: And Rio, uh, would you care to share if you guys have had a little taste of uh, war at all?
2: Um...
0: I'm trying to think if there's any realms there uh, that have. <laughs> You're trying to outthink the problem, eh? Yeah. I will say that I've not been, um, I've not been destroyed or really like hurt, um, too badly by uh, any Black Ops this round.
2: That's just general enough. Fireball definitely feels a, a little bit weak this round.
0: Yeah,
1: like, have you guys gotten fireballed much? Because we've gotten, we've gotten it all. We've gotten the sinking, the fireball, the lightning. You name it, it's come. And none of it really feels detrimental, because they don't have the concentration that's needed to really make it work, right?
2: Yeah. I haven't been fireballed, really. Like, not more than, like, one or two. Like, no campaign. Um, But they've, you know, somebody's tried against one of our players, and, yeah, they did a little damage, but nothing nothing crazy. Yeah, like...
0: this was an interesting conversation i had with my realm a little while ago in terms of the fireballs and because you get the resilience now um it really kind of kicks in because it used to be a case of you know you wanted to fireball someone down to as low peasants as they possibly could because it would take so long for them to build back up now with resilience kicking in once you're down low it kind of picks up much much quicker so i've always said you know like you're almost better off rather than doing a full-on barrage at the beginning And maintaining it you can always just do like one per hour when you're at max population because then you're doing more damage and so you know if you're taking a thousand peasants off each hour that's 3k plat whereas if you do like you know like five you can take a thousand then like 850 then like 700 then like 650 to kind of thing so in terms of actually if you're just trying to weaken someone by taking as much platinum from them as possible you can do that just with just kind of like a, just a continuous campaign of it, rather than absolutely annihilating them to begin with.
1: Yeah, like I can tell you, one of our guys has had one hundred and twenty thousand peasants killed from fireballs, and the other guy, our second most, has sixty thousand peasants killed. So we we've had the the numbers, but it just it hasn't really felt like it's done much, you know.
0: See, so, yeah, I guess the more interesting numbers to you know how how much below max population they were throughout the whole time like you know how how quickly did it come back because if if it was uh like i said if it was just like that amount that sprang back each each hour then that's what three hundred thousand platinum if somebody's had a hundred thousand killed that's not that's not too bad is it you
1: could say it's like an hour of income for that guy
0: <laughs> but hey we shouldn't be talking too much about black ops should we for, for our sister podcast uh, to take over that one
1: Oh, hey there. They talk more technical fireball stuff, right? We talk the overarching.
0: But it's good to get you on record saying that fireballs don't do enough damage.
1: And I'm, I would say, I'm fairly competent to assess those because I usually like to employ them, right? Like, especially if I've got a, a good four or five guys that can really clue in on somebody, then yeah, we'll use them. But like, if you're just using two, maybe three guys, it's just. You know, it's not going to work. You put on Energy Mirror, you invest into your castle for damage reduction. Maybe you have some Lumber Yards, you turn into Forest Havens, right? And then you're like, uh, eh. you know, it's like 50% reduction right there, right?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, part of it is, to me, it seems like Fireballs can have a pretty decent impact early in the round. Because Fast Attackers are particularly vulnerable to that sort of thing. But they seem like they just get weaker and weaker as the round goes on. It's just not that hard to build enough defense in the middle part and end of the round to make it not hurt that much.
1: Yeah, like ten ten's gonna keep doing what they're doing. But eventually they're gonna they're gonna run for the hills here pretty soon, I can guarantee it. Cause they're gonna get hit. And that's where we're gonna we're gonna take a lot of land from ten and it's gonna give us a nice little boost here. That's my projection over the next week. Is we're going to hit into ten a couple of times.
0: I guess that's actually another kind of takeaway from the round. I've not seen too many major, like big war hits. You know, when we've seen the last kind of few rounds, that's been the the big kind of like mistake that a lot of uh, black ops have done is they've they've ward some of the larger or scarier attackers and then ended up feeding them, um, feeding them lots and lots of land to the point of the black ops are almost kind of like. The damage that they've done has been eradicated because they've just kind of like boosted them back up even more.
1: Yeah, and that's what we're what we're thinking is going to happen, right? Because you know, uh, I don't know if you know this, but J Mark is in ten, right? So <laughs> he's always good to just kind of you know, if you go to that Vegas, if you go to Vegas ever, and you know, there's like a, a hot slot machine, right? You know, that's going to pay out. It's J Mark.
0: That's if he's large enough.
1: Oh, I'm sure he'll be in range of one of our guys. Yeah, but they also have the biggest guy in the game too, that like right, so. We'll see how he can do uh, towards the ass end of the game, if he can get big enough, but he probably has the econ to definitely reach for the stars, that's for sure.
0: I guess that's the other thing that happens, you know, when when fast attackers kind of like mess around a little bit in the early game, the explorers get a huge lead on uh, on them and uh, and then on all the other attackers. So then it's always a question of, you know, if they can get a large enough lead to kind of potentially have a winner, you know, if, uh, if the winning attacker, lead an attacker, doesn't get enough land to catch up. We've had a couple, had a couple times, times.
1: Well, and that's what, to me, that's what was so strange about how Six played out their early round. Because I was looking at them, and they had like three really competent, fast attackers. But then Adenham chose to essentially freeze out the round, right? Like, and then he had to have known that Silas was going to react, right? Because if you're going to just sit on somebody, what do you think they're going to do? Just train defense till they die, right? No. That never happens. The other guy trains equal to suicide you back, right? So he was just effectively kind of hurting his own realm, right? Because I don't see a lot of depth for the full round for those guys in in six. So it it was just so strange because they had a really nice position. And if they would have timed stuff out differently, I think they would be dominating right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
2: Do you guys think that they should have angled for a hit trade? Uh, No, I don't think so. Yeah,
0: I
1: think think he just should have not been training as much suicide offense as he was doing, right? Like, he should have been like, okay, I'm going to train up to this for a hit, right? Because all you really want to do as a fast attacker, get your hits in, right? Hit, 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 right? Like, when you're deciding to freeze out the round, it's because you think you're in a commanding position to do so, right? But he was never in an overarching commanding position to really take a hold of anything, right?
2: Yeah, so you, you agree that with what Murph was saying, or sorry, with what uh, Rio was saying earlier about his lichen round, that it they should have gone for a coexist kind of strategy?
1: Well, yeah, because if not, then it's it's mutually assured destruction, right? Like, if you've got your finger on a nuke, then you know the other guy's going to have his finger on the nuke, right? Like, you just, you got to realize that if the other guy can do what you can do to him, then you just have to go for the growth opportunities and not the overarching destruction for everybody opportunity.
2: So do you guys think that hit trading is mostly uh, just like an undying strategy? Or do you think there are other scenarios where you'd want to do that?
1: I would say the scenario that would have worked for hit trade this round was if 6 could have done that, where he could have gotten one of his other two. Like that Nomad was in a really good spot. So if he could have done that to you and get the Nomad involved, then that would be awesome. But if you're just trading across, right, it's working out for you better than it's working out for him because you're hitting up, right? And if you're only equal, equal trading, right, so one hit for one hit, then it never, it never helps him more than, it, more than it hurts him.
2: Yeah, I think best case scenario, then probably they would have maybe hit one of our guys, maybe our Orc or something. And then I'd hit back, and then he'd return hit, and then it would stop there.
1: Yeah, it was it was just nice to see that you guys had support, right? It wasn't just you against them all, right? It was you and your halfling, right? Against them. And he yeah. had he had three against your two, right? So that was the yep. that was really the early round. And then I was around for it for a little bit, but I just couldn't see what was going on, right? Like I was literally that that blind man in like a traffic circle, trying to like figure out how to like get across the freaking sidewalk. Hilarious. With cars, like, just speeding on either side of me, right? I just I couldn't see a damn thing. Driving blind. But you know what I did do? I hit one of those goblins, right? Old Peter Griffin. The Griff. Because I wanted to try, because our goblin's converting, right? And he's going he's gonna to play a, a role soon. So I wanted to try to, like, kill one of those goblins off as best I could. Because I knew as soon as I hit that goblin, that addendum was going to follow my hit. So to me it was it was good because we're putting two hits on a goblin to try to get him from converting and essentially that's what that's what happened, right? He decided to not convert. So I, I like you.
2: Now that you mention it, you had asked earlier when I thought that like what made me fall behind. I think that was actually a moment that made me fall behind a bit, because I could not hit the goblin at that time, and that was a pretty big hit.
1: Yeah, I think it was a hit of the day. And then I also hit into six to just uh try to like injure his ops guy right his ops guy being one of those merfolks that he's with was one of his top ops guys at the time so i wanted to just kind of show them that they weren't you know that they were a little vulnerable right yep and i was barely able to hit that guy because that entire time that guy that hour that he was hittable to me He was releasing stuff on me the entire hour, right? He was investing. He invested 600K plat, that guy, into walls to try to avoid me from hitting him. Wow. Yeah. I know, right? Like, that's one of those, oh, wow, that's interesting. Keep doing that because it's not going to (laughs) matter. Like, would you guys ever invest plat into walls, (laughs) right? Like, for me, I would
0: never do that.
2: Only if you know it's going to work. But 600K plat.
0: If if it's yeah you know if it's if it's round changing then absolutely do whatever you have to do but I wouldn't I wouldn't kind of go to that extreme generally unless it's almost like guaranteed to like save me.
1: Yeah, he did. He did everything he could to try to stop that. He invested everything into walls, right? And he was releasing all of his wizards, <laughs> but, but he kept his spies, right? Because like I only broke them by like fifty or a hundred points. So he didn't want to release his spies so that we could assassinate everything. So he just kept releasing all of his wizards and his archmages. Like it's expensive. That's that's
0: uh, that's almost like the the bigger win than uh, you know hitting hitting uh, some support because you actually taken out his ability to help with uh, with Opstaken as well.
1: Well, and that's why he probably didn't release his spies, right? Because they needed those spies for other things. So he stopped short of releasing his like bunch of spies that he could have released on me. If he would have released his spies, then it would have been almost a certitude that I couldn't hit him, right? But he chose to to keep them and take the hit instead. But if you knew you were going to do that, why invest the 600k plat in walls, right? Like, that's what was confusing to us.
0: Yeah, who knows?
1: I don't know, real. Maybe you know, eh? Maybe you've got the inside line there.
0: All I can say is what I would and would and wouldn't recommend. And, and, yeah, my recommendation, do it if it saves you. But doing it and then still getting it, it was a waste.
1: Well, yeah, especially because, what, 600k plat then would have been, like, oof, I don't know, eight or nine hours, and that's not even including the archmages and wizards you released, right? So, you know, probably puts you behind, like, 10, 11 hours right there, just in income that you just didn't do anything with.
0: The thing, and yeah. then you have
1: uh, to hit too on top of that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the thing. When it's, when it's complete waste, then you get hit anyway. You know, like if you invest in plat, at least you kind of get that investment still in the future. If, if you're releasing stuff, you know, if you're releasing hundreds or thousands of units that you have to retrain anyway, then that's just pure, that's, that's money down the drain.
1: Yeah, that's flushing. that's flushing money right there. But it was just because I was like, and I know Chunk was probably frustrated at what Six was doing too, right? I was equally frustrated because I didn't have any turtle to, to fall back on, whereas Chunk did. So I was just training defense through my nose, and I was just like, okay, well, screw this. You know, like, I'm going to just send Six like a message somehow, right? And luckily, I was able to get his ops guy. Like, did you feel frustrated as well, Chunk?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely did to a certain degree, though I. Like I said, I got a little down on our chances pretty early, and I was worried that he would run. So I was pretty early thinking, you know what, it's not about my finish or how many acres I get. I'm just trying to to hold him back and make sure that there isn't a runner so that somebody else has a chance. So it was frustrating to a degree, but I was also just kind of like, well, if he's doing this and I can lock him down, then I guess that's what my purpose is. So
1: what's your guys' favorite pastries, would you say? Maybe a cinnamon roll. Yeah, that's always a good choice. With the cream cheese and raisins, or are we talking just a plain cinnamon roll?
2: I'd aim more towards plain. Maybe maybe even add some maple syrup to it, but uh, not so much the cream No? You're not a cream cheese guy? I like cream cheese, just it's... I, I'm not sure on a on a cinnamon roll. I think it's... That's a little too sweet for cream cheese. I'm Marva, cream cheese with bagels kind of guy. That's fair. And uh, Rio,
0: yeah, I, don't, I don't have pastries too often, but when I went to uh, Portugal, they've got like this uh, this thing called like pastel de which is kind of like this. Uh, it's like trying to think how to describe. It. It's like it's like a custard tart, but it's just yeah. For whatever reason, when it's over there, like having it over there is just fantastic. So, uh, so. If, if if you ever have a chance to try, I I recommend that. Who doesn't like
1: custard, eh? Love custard. For That's me, like it's good. uh an apple fritter. Ooh. You know, like an apple bear claw, like those huge donuts, right? Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm talking. Rio, you must know what I'm talking about because you've been
0: to Tim Hortons before. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've had them before. Is there Tim Hortons in the UK, by the way? There is. They they kind of popped up maybe like in the last five years or so. But they're, uh, yeah, there's quite a few over here now. I don't think it's the same as uh as it is in Canada, but um, yeah, I think they're still relatively popular. Yeah. Cause that's really our go to coffee shop, right? Is uh Timmy's. Yep. I remember stopping for, at Tim Horton's most mornings on the way to work.
1: All right. So we're over an hour now. Um, is there any final thoughts uh, or things you guys, I think we should touch on before we close out and give it to Rush Hour for, for the upcoming week?
0: I will say, we, we've probably been pretty hard on, uh, on round 6 this time, but they've got people that are still in the game, so uh, there's definitely, you know, it's not over for them, so it'll be interesting to see if if they can, like, redeem themselves of sorts, because they were definitely leading the the charge early round, when um, I think they kind of failed that first test, but there's still, like, another test coming up, so it'll be interesting to see what they do in the next kind of week or so to see how things gonna kind of like pan out.
1: I've got two words for them and what's gonna to happen to them. Uh one being skull, the other being fucked.
0: You're always at the most eloquent towards the end of these uh podcasts.
1: I'm really a poet at heart, you know? Junk, do you have any uh parting words
2: of wisdom for everybody? Uh just you know. Stay away from fountain or you're you're gonna feel some some retribution.
1: So keep your hands out of the cookie jars, what you're saying. Pretty much. Don't put cream cheese on this cinnamon bun. <laughs> I'm All right. Dead fast uh, attack,
2: yeah. and I'm not afraid to go ratios.
1: Exactly, right? That's that's part of the secondary fun that you get to have now, and that I'll be joining you shortly here with is just turning yourself into this nasty little badger of a bastard, right? Like, you want to see black ops? Alright, we'll go ratio town here with you, buddy, right? absolutely because you're just like because for both of us now it's like okay well we've got nothing to lose here all we're gonna do is help our guys find hits and just become nasty sons of bitches so that's that's what we're about to do yep so I, i would just like to say you know realm 10 good luck enjoy the mutual war and just be friendly like just you know let it time out with us and let's just see what happens so I'd like to thank Chunk for joining us and giving us some amazing insights for for this week's podcast. I hope everybody uh, enjoys what they're going to hear later today.
2: Thanks for having me. No problem.
1: And it with that and with that being said, uh, you know, we'll see you in the next one, guys.